a major lift podcast with me. My name's Adrian. I don't know if I've ever introduced myself. Probably should have done that a while ago. This is something a little bit different. So the major lift 11 is a chat with Ken Wally, the muscle alchemist, which is kind of a cool name. I wonder if uh, he's a he's a fan of Full Metal Alchemist. This is a bad start to the podcast. I'm not going to cut. This is a second take, just so you know. So this is arguably better than the first one. Ken isn't really a musician. Just a bit of a spoiler out there. Ken is on here because he is our, I'm, I'm going to say he's our resident sports nutritionist and exercise scientist. I also love that he has such a passion in biomechanics. That's really what I find myself interested in when I'm wondering why I hurt so bad. <laughs> I met Ken very briefly uh, before starting my certification in personal training through Fit College. And he just had a massive amount to give in a conversation, a massive amount of information that he generously gives up all the time whenever I've got an inquiry for him. Inquiry? Inquiry. You vote. For the love of God, send me messages about that. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be getting into some more practical information. If you're about to go on tour, this is definitely for you. If you've done it a whole bunch and you're wondering why you feel like crap, probably also for you. And then after we finish that fun and friendly rant, we are going to go into the video component of this. This is definitely something I want to pursue more moving forwards into what this podcast does and the community that it's starting to build, which is really great. I want to look at the anatomical or practical way we perform, what happens to us, uh, whether you're a drummer, guitarist, bassist, keyboardist, or vocalist, just to be aware of what you might need to work on. And this video after the main chat in the podcast will definitely talk about those things. I'm gonna be branching a little bit more into YouTube in the coming months. I'll have someone else coming on board and yeah, really big plans, really exciting plans. If you do wanna get in touch about any sort of training, whether it be personal, if you love the way Ken speaks, which is why I got him on here, I really like his cadence, then hit up Ken at Kenneth Wally, K-E-N-N-E-T-W-A-A-L-E on Instagram and yeah, hit him up. I will be. Or if you're wanting to get into some smaller group classes, perhaps for your band, hit me up. I would love to be a part of your growth. Anyway, here's the thing. Look at the thing. Listen to the thing. Don't sit down and listen to this. That's weird. Go for a walk. All right. Enjoy this nasty plosive in three, two, one. Ken Wally. Did yes, I get it right? You did. We did. I, I do like to check these things before we start. Yeah, you did get it right. You you are my first non-musician guest, although I know yes. you can play at least one chord. Three. Three chords. Which ones? But I can't string them together. Okay. So, I mean, basically a fill-in guitarist for Nirvana. Yeah, totally. That, so the, Take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> so, that being your, your uh, musical pedigree. Yes. Why have I got you here? Well, you tell me. So, you are my resident exercise scientist expert who's going to come school all my muso friends there we go all your muso friends tell me tell me about your qualifications foremost well start early on i suppose i grew up with a lot of asthma and allergies and i nearly died a couple of times because of that as well so you know early on fitness and health was always a big part of who i was and what i had to do literally to survive 
you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, survival in the gym and survival of the fittest and so on and so forth. And it's actually true. Like I literally had to swim and run and play football and do all these things just to stay alive. And I've always been really, really interested in nutrition and physique and, you know, those aspects and just performance in general. And that led me into starting coaching when I was 16. That's 12 years now. Started coaching hockey, lots of friends and family early on, and then uh, went to university, got a degree in exercise science and sports nutrition, and now I'm preparing to do my master's degree as well. So it's really survival of the weakest. Well, yeah, you can say that. Because, I mean, the, the, the fit people are already surviving. True. So yep. you, you aren't a native to Australia, are you? No. I was born in Norway, up in the mountains, not too far from where all the other ginders are in Ireland and Scotland. Um, I moved here when I was 18 or 19, so it's been a while. And the reason why I moved was, I think, a bit strange, but it's a story that goes back to when I was six years old. This is going to sound a bit fucking cliche, and I think everyone says this, but, you know, sometimes you feel different. But it's not like, oh, I'm different to my friends or that you guys like this, I like this. It's a sense of, you know, deep belonging. You know, you feel like there's just so much more to the world that you don't want to be locked in to one place. And I had that feeling early, early on. And I taught myself English at the age of four. I've been bilingual since the age of four. Spoke fluent German when I was 13 or 14 as well. So just linguistics and different languages has always been a big part of who I am and what I do. And I just love traveling. So early on... You do sound like you're on your Tinder profile now, by the way. Oh, yeah. I just love to travel. Travel. Always travel. <laughs> See sunsets and sunrises. Pat dogs, one night stands. I mean, yeah. travel. Don't like cats. But that's all right. That's fucking faux pas on the show. <laughs> so you travelled You traveled pretty early then? Yeah. And my dad was a truck driver. So I was with dad since I was two years of age in the truck, uh, as often as I could, all around Europe, all around Scandinavia, just travelling, just seeing the world, seeing different places, doing different things. And I remember this one particular meeting with my teacher and my mum in year one at school. And a couple of weeks prior to this meeting, we had this task in class where we didn't know how to write, we didn't know how to read, but we had to just scribble down this story. And it was just an imaginary story about something, which is whatever the fuck we wanted to. I just wrote down in scribbles, no one can fucking understand, <laughs> and that I wanted to move to a country with palm trees and sunshine, and I just didn't feel like this was my place. And I was sitting on my teacher's lap. There's a beautiful old lady. She's still alive. And I told her this story. And she looked at me and said, oh, that's a bit weird. And a couple of weeks later in this meeting, her and mum spoke first. I was waiting outside. And then they called me in. And she asked me, is there something you want to tell your mum? So, no, what are you talking about? I'd forgotten about this. But she found it so peculiar that I actually said that. And I was so certain about it. So she asked me, well, what did you tell me in class when you told me this story? It's like, I just looked at mum and I was, 
I want to move. You know, like, I want to live somewhere else. And mum looked at me and she just laughed. And I looked at her and our eyes met, my mum and I, and she just knew, you know, that that was the moment. It's like, boom, straight up. And it's a weird story, but, um, what was that? It's March now. So three months ago, Sarah and I went over to Norway for Christmas. Sarah's my fiance. And I went to see this teacher. She's still alive. She's 78 or 79 years old. And she still remembers that story to this day. And where we're sitting right now, there's a house with a backyard with palm trees. Mm. What language did you speak to her in? Elvish. (laughs) (laughs) That that makes a lot of sense now. Middle Earth. Yeah, Norwegian. Yeah, right. And you're pretty comfortable in that language as well. Yes, pretty comfortable still. Mm. Uh, It's not as fluent as it used to be. You know, just general conversations is fine, but anything technical and, you know, that stuff. Talk physiology, nah, not a chance. (laughs) It sounds like the undertone of what you have experienced for a long time is uh, being able to connect with someone based on longing and drive, wanting to really do something from the get-go. Yeah, and wanting to make the most out of life, I suppose, in general. We got 80, 90 years, you know, at the most. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to stay in the same town and (laughs) in the same house forever? Or is just my viewpoint, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but I want to go out and do stuff and create something and help people and meet people and connect and travel. And there's... I suppose through that, it opens up a lot of something that I'm kind of coming across in my life, uh, uh, experts in italics. And that's why it's sort of fun to have you on because I guess for anyone listening out there, my my first interaction with Ken sitting in front of me, not on Skype, which is quite fun, Yes, it was just walking into good life, wanting to start my personal training uh, career. It's a strong word for it at this point, but mm. and and being able to have a chat with someone who was concerned about my trajectory, mm. which is pretty rare to have someone invest immediately when they really don't have to. And you probably got stuff to do, and everyone knows in the back of their head, I could probably be doing X, Y, Z. But it's good to be able to, and I think as a PT, as an educator, and you know, to a lot of people, uh, sort of a compass. A lot of people are coming to you to be like, "What next?" It's good to be able to do that from an empathetic and also vulnerable point of view. For example, you coming to me and being like, oh, give us a guitar lesson, see what happens. It takes a lot of balls for someone to be like, I don't know shit, but I want to know more. Mm. Which I think is going to directly speak to this audience because if they've made it here, they're probably people who want to just start again with a lot of things. Um, which is quite interesting because you've said you've always had this interest in fitness, health, what I've noticed is that it takes people a long time and a remarkable inner, is it a monologue inside? Can it be a dialogue inside as well? I don't know which word to choose. Well, if you have multiple personality disorder, okay. I think you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in my case, definitely dialogue. But in all seriousness though, there's, you know, there's always that monologue inside your head. There's always that voice. You can call it a monologue. You can call it a voice. You can call it an inner critic whatever you want to call it, it's always there and it's human nature. Hmm. 
And we see like, high-end psychologists and psychiatrists, they still have this. You know, they help the most high-performing people with this exact thing. So without being a psychologist or pretending that I am one, you know, there's some real aspects there that are just human nature that, oh, shit, am I doing this? Do I know enough? Am I worthy of this? Should I do it? You know, all those questions are always there. And I had the same thing. Well, should I move? Just to go back to where we started, well, it's fucking the hardest thing ever. But it's always the best thing ever, you know. So I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, I, did I want to go for the runs when I was a kid? No. But I had to. Um, you know, I performed really well in a lot of different sports. I never thought I was going to make it. Had my chance to sign a professional contract. Didn't do it because of injuries, which sort of leads us up to where we are today as well. So I think just talking from a personal point of view, that monologue is still going on. Mm. It's just not as often. And, you know, you learn to listen to it and you learn to ignore it. Have you had the same with music and those things? The thing that I think everyone who's listening who's a musician will struggle with is hopefully maybe a slight sense of being an imposter. I think it's a healthy thing. It's yeah. a good reality check to be like, am I really on an honest course with this? Do I really know what I want to get out of this? Am I really doing the best that I possibly could be? Which is when someone's sitting there and they're feeling overwhelmed with stress, they're feeling overwhelmed with the concept of getting their body into shape, they're feeling whatever that means, body mm -hmm. and shape, irrelevant right now, but to make a change for the good, to actually sit there and, and reality check yourself and go, no, I could be doing way better mm. within 5% of my control. That might just mean like vacuuming your house when you feel sad. Or it might even mean having a glass of water when you get up in the morning. There's these tiny little changes that will eventually cascade into a good practice mm. or a good discipline, which is exactly where I draw this parallel, which is, I mean, you, your discipline in everything that you've done has obviously worked and I could imagine is quite a passive aspect of your personality. Yes, very conscientious, very organized, structured. If I feel like... I'm not creating something of value every day, then I just wonder if I can go play on the highway. And yeah. There's one not far from here too, so it's quite good. Yeah, you know, just, just stroll down the street and <laughs> off I go. So uh, I guess we're done here. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> Podcast over. Yeah. So when when it comes to let's get let's get into the nitty gritty of this because this is for for anyone listening out there, which is everyone in the world right now. 7 billion listeners. Everyone. It's cr Even people not speaking English are getting something out of this. Just the tone of voice. They're just like, boy, these guys are really white. They're almost pink. Yeah, almost quite pink, actually. You know, come it to comes think of in it. two shades, pink and red. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's true. I'm going to make sure my computer's not turning off. Okay, we're good. We're safe. We're safe. Let's, uh, let's give uh, the listeners a bit of a crash course in how their body works and then more specifically how their body works when they aren't full of basic nutritional elements. And by that, I mean, if they spend a couple of days away eating whatever they can scrounge. Nutritional goodness. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, it, it's quite interesting, actually. It's, first and foremost, we have all these different systems inside your body. So, I kind of liken that to an analogy on this podcast would be good to use as, you know, different instruments. Not that I know the name of every single part of every single instrument, but 
let's say you have a drum kit, you need a lot of different kinds of drums and things like that to make this whole thing work and sound really good. That's my musical knowledge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Someone out there is just like, oh, God, this started strong. This fucking retard. No, but, but you're right. But perhaps that could be like the cardiovascular system. Yeah, exactly right. Or it could be the whole body. You know, a drum kit could be the whole body. You have the brain, which is the central nervous system. That kind of controls everything you do other than, you know, different reflexes and things like that. So if you've ever, you know, just gone for a walk and all of a sudden you roll your ankle or you see a snake or you something happens and you just jump, you know, you don't control that. It just happens. You know, you don't have to control your heart, which is a part of your cardiovascular system. Your heart is autonomous. It does its own thing. It just keeps beating. Even if you take the heart out of the body, as long as it has blood supply, it keeps pumping. So that to me is just fucking fascinating. That's metal. That's very, very metal. You know, it's rad. <laughs> you know, it's fucking cool. And then attached to the heart, you have the lungs. So that makes up the cardiovascular system and that pumps blood around your body. And in your blood, that's where all the oxygen and all the nutrients, the foods that you eat, they get broken down inside your gut. And then then they travel into the bloodstream and they go to your muscles and your brain and things like that so you can actually function. So if you, let's say that you've been on a tour and you're really fucking tired and all you want to eat is just chips and chocolate, then you get an initial boost of energy. What happens? Well, you eat it, it gets broken down, it goes into your bloodstream and you feel a bit better. You know, so just as an example there that probably a lot of musicians can relate to is being on tour eating something when they're really tired, then a tiny bit of energy comes. Well, this is actually what happens. Is it the best food choices? No, we'll get into that a bit later on. But, you know, it is what it is. I eat chocolate, you eat chocolate. We all eat chocolate. You know, it's not the worst thing, but it's not the best thing either. I had chocolate on the way here. What kind? Homemade. That's from, not real chocolate. From my sweet, <laughs> sweet, delicious person. She made me a slice for this trip. <laughs> Chocolate prepared. <laughs> I had a Mars bar yesterday. That was delicious. You're, you're off the chain. Oh, radical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those gains are unique. You can only get it from a Mars bar. That's what the yeah. ad said when we were kids. Yeah. That's actually a different rant. Let's save that rant for All another right. time. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on track. So, <laughs> you got the brain. Then you got things like the cardiovascular system. Then you got the system that dictates all your hormones in the body which we're not going to go into that rabbit hole, but it's a big thing at the moment that especially on social media, people are talking about all these essential oils, you know, regulating your hormones and this and that, and it's just a load of crap. But just be aware that, you know, an endocrinologist who's a specialist in hormones to everyone out there, they study for 14 years to know about hormones. And then someone sees a post on Facebook or Instagram that, Oh, if you eat these foods, your hormones are going to be out of whack. You know, like, it's it's not that easy. You know, and these guys aren't even eligible to talk about nutrition in the first place most of the time. So, I think that's important. Just a little side note there. I think a good way to put that into perspective is we are we have way too much information available to us yeah. and not enough logic to apply it. I've been playing guitar for sixteen years. And I, I have so many aspects of the basics that just dissolve over time mm. that you go, what does that mean again? Mm. You know, it could be something simple like uh, a melodic minor scale. 
It's 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 nothing hectic. Yeah, I know that as well. Yeah, yeah. Are you winking? Yeah, uh, good, good, good. Both eyes. I can wink yeah. with two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand, Adrian. That scale. <laughs> I really should know that for someone who's been playing for that long. Even even an endocrinologist would be like, "Give me a sec." You know, a good one would say, "Hold on a sec." Exactly right, and it's actually cool that you brought that up because it's what we call the Dunning Kruger effect. And you've probably read about it. Yeah, give everyone a quick explanation. This is actually awesome. DK, Dunning-Kruger. <laughs> it means that, in short, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. So, you're not going to start bragging. You're going to be very humble and open-minded. Skeptical still, but open-minded. But what's happening now is the other side of that, where people who don't know anything think that they know a lot more than what they do. And this is quite dangerous. It's very, very common. A lot of people who aren't educated in the field, they've only read a couple of blog posts and things like that, all of a sudden think that they know the world about, let's say, nutrition. And then they start making nutritional recommendations and so on and so forth. And it's this beautiful little curve. If you were to look at it you know, on a graph, this Dunning-Kruger effect, but it explains that the more you know, so the people who are actual experts also realize that they don't know anything, really. They're only, they've only scratched the surface. It's like what you just said. I played for 16 years. I'm still learning. I can still learn all the time. And there's actually quite a lot of stuff that I've forgotten, even though it's the basics. So, you know, and, and we see that across social media all the time, especially in sort of my realm. I'm not sure you might see that in music as well, but in nutrition and fitness and these things, God, there's a lot of shit out there. <laughs> so, I guess what we, we could uh, dwindle that down to is anyone listening to this, we don't know what we're talking about. You should yeah, you probably just much. turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just this is it. Just press stop. <laughs> Just tell these gingers to fuck off. So, so how about I put how about I put a hypothetical to you, and you can sort of using these systems as a, as a good way to explain what's happening here. There's more systems in the body too. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we, so we finished it. At, uh, yeah, we derailed again. Can't help it. No, that's how ginger brains work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you got the muscular system, you got all your bones, your skeletons, the skeletal system, and there's a lot more as well. So. You know, all these different systems and organs, and this is going to sound a bit weird. A lot of people go, oh, that's common sense. But all these systems actually talk to each other. You know, it's kind of like really good neighbors talking to each other. Yeah. Live really close, you talk to each other, you have a good relationship. Sometimes something happens. Let's say you drink too much alcohol and all, this, all of a sudden the neighbors start fighting. You know, that's a really good analogy for what's going to happen in the body if you don't eat healthily and, you know, those things. And all these systems inside the body actually talk together. We have evidence now to suggest that there's actual cellular communication between these different systems in the body, which is really fucking cool. And, you know, five, ten years ago, we were only assuming that that was the case. Um, so to a lot of people out there, oh, well, that would make sense, I suppose. <laughs> but... It's actually really cool and it does happen. So, the body is a really complex system and we've only scratched the surface of genetics. We've only scratched the surface of how things actually work. So, yeah, that's it there. So, throw the hypothetical. So, here's a hypothetical. 
we were going back to someone say, we'll, we'll go small scale. So maybe you are doing an East Coast tour. So you've gone Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and maybe down to Port Macquarie or. Yep. So it's something you could be, you could do in four or five days. You spend, let's say between three and eight hours sitting still in, in a van. Mm. You only have a very small window to stop at service stations. I'm putting together, trying to put together an entire piece of all the things that could go wrong. Um, you got to hold your piss all day, most of the time. Uh, do you, you pee in a bottle? Uh, I've never done that. I've never done that, but I have uh, had a close friend have a very uh, close encounter with the the brown fairy in a van. But that's <laughs> <laughs> it. Does it does happen? And I can imagine. Yep, it's not not, and it's uh, people fight, and so you, you are unloading gear in awkward ways of awkward sizes. Mm-hmm. You are then standing for a long period of time. Your food that day consists of bread, sugar, three sugary drinks, and um, yeah, just grainy things. So, what what happens to the body after a couple of days of all the missing elements that I'm sure you're putting together? Mm. There's so the the easiest way to look at all things nutrition, all things that has to do with health and fitness. So let's say now we're talking nutrition, right? If we were to put this on a, you know, on an infographic or a presentation or whatever it was, or a whiteboard, we'd like we would literally write lots of things equals nutrition. Mm. Cool. And we would do the same with diabetes, you know, lots of things equals diabetes, lots of things equals fitness or weight loss or whatever, lots of things equals guitar playing. Mm. Mm. But it's so simplistic, but it's so true. Like, and it's a very simplified thing to say, but it sets the premise for the fact that there's a hell of a lot of things going on and we can't pinpoint each one of them, but we can look at a couple of things just generically speaking. So let's say that... Someone doesn't eat enough food to start with. So, let's remove everything else. So, we're not going to talk about quality of food or having any discussions around that. But let's say that, hang on, if your body doesn't get enough food to start with, what's going to happen? You know, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. And we see this quite often, especially if you're on tours and things like that. And let's say that this particular person, that's a hypothetical and doesn't drink a lot of alcohol because alcohol has a lot of calories in it, right? Lots of energy. So let's say that you start up north, you start driving, you've got to be on the van for eight hours. You're already tired after playing a gig. You might not have slept very well. You're trying to get a bit of sleep on the bus, but you can't really sleep that well. And you're tossing and turning. It's uncomfortable. The road's fucking bumpy. Your head's going ding, 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 ding <laughs> against the window. You, know, you can't sleep that well. And then you start drifting off, but then you're restless. So you've got all these things happening. And what's going to happen if your body doesn't get enough nutrition and energy is it's actually going to have repercussions on how these systems in the body work together and how they talk together. I'll give you an example that's not related to music. So if you train female athletes, very predominant in female athletes, I'll give you an example of a triathlete that I used to coach and I helped her with her nutrition. Tiny girl. Fit as fuck. 
I remember trying to swim with her once. Like I'd done three laps, she'd done 30, you know, <laughs> just crashing me in the pool. But she had a very irregular menstrual cycle. Sometimes it ceased for six months. Her bone mineral density, which is how healthy your bones are, it was very low. And she was starting to lose muscle mass and all these things before I started working with her. So these are all symptoms of the fact that she's overtraining and under-eating. So if your body in those cases doesn't get enough nutrition, it's actually going to have repercussions. So this is when we're talking about, you know, long-term, we're talking about hormonal decreases, not having enough for her, you know, estrogen, different kinds of hormones like follicle-stimulating hormones and these things. Her sleep is going to be off. She's going to feel tired all the time. She can't perform. Starting to lose muscle mass, and her capacity to run and swim and cycle is going to go to shits as well. So lots of things equals performance. So relating this back to musicians, well, if you're on a bus all day, you've been performing all night with very subpar nutrition. Well, what's going to happen? Generally speaking, you're probably just going to feel fucking tired. You can't focus. Your joints are start, starting to ache, get a headache, you're dehydrated, you know, all those things. Very simple stuff. But then what's going to happen in the grand scheme of things? You're probably going to get very poor bone health. You're going to start putting on body fat, which again has repercussions for health in, you know, just general terms. You can start losing muscle mass. And then you've got all these things that are decreased I suppose, as to an ideal of where they should be, really, in terms of health. And then repercussions come from that as well. So, you know, generally speaking, if you're on a bus like that and you're stopping in service stations, what can we do to actually mitigate that? Well, first and foremost, let's try to get some sleep. But we know that if you don't eat enough, your sleep probably won't be, you know, very good either. You're going to be restless. You're going to be thinking about food all the time. I just saved the computer. <laughs> I, feel, I feel great now. Uh, and all these things. So we need to get some food into this body. But are we going to choose chips and lollies and you know, a couple of beers? Or what are we going to choose? Well, if you go to a service station in this country, you're lucky enough that there's fruit there. You know, they're mostly salads in most of these places. And there's water. You know, and, you know, calorie-wise, well, you could drink a Coke Zero or a Pepsi Max or something similar. If you really want something sweet that doesn't come with a lot of sugar, then no, aspartame will not kill you. <laughs> so you can have a can of Coke Zero and nothing's going to happen, right? So there's a lot of different elements we've got to consider. And I'm saying this because we preface this with lots of things equal something, Right. But generally speaking, it's very simple. Nutrition is very simple. And I know there's a lot of the listeners out here now going, well, this is fucked. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And there's all this information out there. But it's very, very simple. Lots of water. Don't drink any caffeine or stimulants after 1 or 2 p.m. And we can get into why that is a bit later on. And then have some good protein sources, you know, some chicken or tofu or maybe a protein bar here and there if you're on the road, you know, we'll grab what we can and make the best out of that. Vegetables, fruit, and 
that's about it. So healthy eating is very simple, but it's been, I suppose, just complicated to a level where it just doesn't make sense anymore. That's pretty. That's pretty damn applicable. When I think, when given options, that's when people make the simplest and fastest possible solution. So, when your body is dehydrated, what are the typical? I mean, I, I've sort of come to the opinion that I no longer control my choices. Yeah. You know, my my consciousness doesn't. My brain does. Mm. So, when you're tired, sleep deprived, and dehydrated, what foods will you find yourself taking over? You're going to rule the world of salty, sugary, and fatty foods. And the food industry, and we're not talking big pharma and that shit, just the food industry knows this better than anyone. And they're really good at marketing it. So, all the foods that you're going to want when you're tired and sleep deprived and dehydrated are full of added sugars, probably not the healthiest fats, and lots of salt. And that's a perfect combination for you to just keep shoving that shit down your mouth hole. You know, and it's just everything you're going to reach for ever. How do we combat that? Well, we got to get back to the basics. Am I saying that people should never eat that? Nah, not at all. And food is social, food is psychological, and all those aspects as well. Especially on a big tour, you know, if you're the only person in a band just snacking on an apple, you know, you're going to be the outsider sometimes. And that's not a good feeling either. So now we've got to contextualize all of this as well when we're working with people. But at the end of the day, if you can make sure you get enough water daily, just get enough water to have four or five clear urinations every day. So when you go take a piss, ladies and gentlemen, it has to be clear four to five times a day. You can have more, but you need a minimum of four to five clear urinations every day. Very simple rule. You don't have to measure or count the amounts of cups you drink and that stuff. Just make sure you drink enough to have four or five clear urinations a day. Maybe ask a friend to check. Is this indeed clear? I just did this. <laughs> yeah, piss. just piss in a cup and yeah. go, what, what, what do you guys like? think of this? <laughs> well, we're still in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I just wanted to check my health. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you turn the car off before you check the oil. You know that. Oh. Don't do that. What do you guys <laughs> think of my piss? <laughs> so, um, when, it, when it comes to it, maybe um, a good solution for this would be someone who can... What, what, as you were saying that, I was thinking about being the person in my band that started off being the guy who packed my food prior to getting mm. in the van, which is hard because you're going to look like a dickhead and it takes up space. But being an accountability partner for your mate, I think is quite empowering as well. If you buy yourself an apple, don't be a dick. Buy your mate an apple. Exactly right. Mm. And God, this could have so many different reasons as to why people don't want to do that. But at the end of the day, it's a cliche kind of question, but do you love yourself enough to change? You know, that if you want to perform better as an artist, are you going to take care of your body or what? You know, it's that simple. So, a poor performing artist, which is kind of cool because this this nutrition stuff, people are sitting there being like, oh, I know this, but it's just listen to fucking Ken talk about this because he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. It's not just like, it's not Dr. Phil being like, I don't eat enough vegetables and I'm rich as fuck. And it's just like, 
Okay. Can you eat your vegetables, Dr. Phil? Yeah, come on, Dr. Phil. <laughs> At Dr. Phil. Someone tag Dr. Phil. Please. Uh, <laughs> tag him. Yo, ginger. So, <laughs> so if, you, if you were to... At Dr. Ginger has a ring to it, by the way, if you end up getting a PhD. Dr. Big Red. Oh, Dr. Big Red. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, I've been dreaming about that for about five years. Now. Yeah, we'll check in post-doctorate. So, <laughs> let's... Uh, let's Let's talk about what performance means for a sec because we I know we can talk about nutrition forever, but basically forever. 10% better nutrition throughout your day, 10% better hydration throughout your day. That's all you need. Is the difference between – and it's interesting you, you did talk about the caffeine as well because people are going to – Red Bull. People are going to want that shit right before stage. V's. Yeah. yeah. They, want, they want that because that, that excitement is something that you want to give to the crowd. Before we go on to performance – I'm going to pose a question to all the listeners. You don't have to answer it, but you can think about it. How would you feel if you can go on stage without feeling anxious, freezing up sometimes, having stage fright without having to drink energy drinks? So, let's get on to the performance thing. Interesting. Okay, cool. That is, if, if there are any responses that you would like to put to that, perhaps on the Instagram yeah. Would be great. Whack it below and we'll play with it. Yep. At Major Lift Podcast. That would be great. Uh, so, the performance. Getting to the performance. I'll, I can paint a picture of this one for you and you can tell me what's going to happen. So, I've just had a day of crap food, n- not a lot of water. We've just done sound check. It took an hour. Then next minute, you've got doors opening, you're meeting people, you're talking to people. Next thing you know, you're backstage warming up. We'll skip the warm-up phase for a sec because that's something we'll do in the, the mm. latter part of the episode. When it comes to going on to stage, you've got all these mixtures of feeling somewhere between peace, purpose, and opportunity. Mm. What happens if this is an awesome show? At the same time, what happens if this is an awful show? Um, for anyone who's had the joy of playing to a festival crowd, there's also the anxiety of these people aren't here to see us. They're here to see the festival. That can be quite scary as mm. well. So this this fear, this sort of internal clench that, that happens, if you are performing poorly on a physical level, what are you likely to notice in your body that could be alleviated by something like a half-decent meal? Probably all of what you just said. I think the biggest thing that came to mind first is getting out of your own head. If you're under-resourced, which means that you're dehydrated, you haven't eaten enough, you haven't eaten well enough, you're going to be under-resourced and you're going to start getting inside your own head and you're going to start questioning, why the hell I'm here? Why am I even doing this? What's my performance going to be like? To a greater extent than what you would under normal circumstances where you're well-resourced and you have enough hydration in your body. So that's the first thing. Well, fuck, what would be alleviated? Stress, anxiety, stage fright, just performance, fear really. And then from there, there would be headaches, the ability to focus. And, you know, as a renowned guitar player, I would say that, (laughs) you know, my ability to change between three chords would improve. Ken is, is air guitaring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking good. Very nice. (laughs) Uh, 
So yeah. headaches are a good one. That's a very, it's a yeah. very, very real symptom. Especially in your world because, yeah. you know, I listen to a lot of country music. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. Half get, the listeners just turned off. Yeah, I get stress fractures in my fucking ankle from tapping my foot really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys bang your heads, you know, yeah. and you smash guitars and, you know, do all the crazy stuff. You know, if you bang your head and you already have a headache, you're going to feel like absolute death after. Like there's nothing, lots of physiology there, but you're just going to feel like shit, mm. right? So, headaches. What happens when you have a headache? Talk me through how you feel when you have a headache, and it doesn't even have to be on stage, but how do you feel? So, I have been sick, very sick on stage before. I have had a flu. I've definitely had uh, stress headaches. Yeah. And I've felt it build in those coming hours towards the show as well, knowing full well. So, what happened to your communication with your band members? Absolutely off. I was way more irritable, yeah. which is awful when you're about to go conquer as a team because mm-hmm. it is not a solo effort and that's really important um, unless for some reason you're a solo artist and it is a solo effort in which case I take it all back but yeah the ability to communicate my positivity and optimism is removed I can only seem to communicate my negativity mm-hmm. through that which I think brings down the, the group atmosphere so at that time were you what were you doing in the band were you playing guitar just I get quiet and I close off. I just sit there and try to try to warm up. Emphasis on try. I cool. wouldn't so, know how to make good decisions. All right, cool. So decision making, communication. While you were warming up, what happened to your ability to focus and change chords and you know play riffs and things like that? The the mindset gets taken away from the thing that you're really good at to mm-hmm. the thing you're really bad at, and throughout that you will be you will become depressed and diminutive mm-hmm. towards yourself i can't play this well you can play it really good that's why you're there exactly right that's why thousands of people are there to listen to you right hopefully or a hundred or maybe two probably yeah probably two you know, like a country bar in you know <laughs> the, missouri <laughs> the, the, the norwegian country bar. <laughs> three people <laughs> all inbreds <laughs> shit guys what are cowboys <laughs> so yeah i, I cut off I get really cut yep. off. So then, when you guys did go on stage, how did you perform? I hide, which robs the audience of what they want from an, an act. Mm. It's not fair on someone when you hide the thing that they want to see. It's, it's so what happened to your team members when you hide? That's a, that's a good question. We, we have very little interplay on stage. I, I, a quick anecdote for this is... Yeah. We'd just arrived in Dusseldorf to... Uh, yeah, klar. <laughs> to what a place. And um, I got to see two streets of it. It was a very in-out show. Uh, and that's what she said. Yeah, yeah that's and, what she said. Yeah, yeah. et cetera, yeah. And uh, it was packed. This venue was packed. There was no backstage, so I had to walk through the crowd to the stage. I was setting up cameras. I was really stressed. I already had a headache. I was coming mm. off a cold. And the set started before I was ready. So, I'm putting in my, my in-ears, which is quite, kind of hard to do through, through long hair. You have to wrap it over your ear and around, but you've got to also flick your hair through it because that's all you're going to be doing for the next 90 minutes anyway. I kicked a wine glass in a girl's face. Um, Solid. By accident because I was like, oh, why is this on the stage? And just didn't even think that maybe there's a glass, wine glass in the venue, not a plastic one because whatever reasons, Dusseldorf. And it's Germany, man. Yeah, they just need to glass someone. 
And, you know, the drummer signaled early because I wasn't clear enough with my communication because I wasn't thinking. I was so distracted. Mm. It was it was awful. And it took me so long to turn around to Josh and say, that was my fault. I should have been ready earlier. And he said it was his fault. And we it took us 90 minutes of of passive communication to say, mm. sorry, and move on. Mm. It can be quite hard to squash down things like ego. You start thinking things are all about you. Become quite neurotic, right? Neurotic, yeah, that's a great yeah. word for it. Yeah. And that shit happens to anyone. Too much coffee before the show for me as well. Yeah, it does. And that's why you should limit things like energy drinks and, you know, those things and not to I got a big fucking bias against that. I'm very aware of that. You know, especially energy drinks. Because in two thousand seventeen in Australia alone, there was two hundred and seventy three people admitted to ER with Heart complications because of excess energy consumption. So this energy is energy drink consumption. So this is a, a audio medium at this part of the episode, but I'm gonna. There's gonna be a person raising their hand if they are part of that statistic. <laughs> Everyone, ah, uh, not me. I've, I've been to hospital for energy drink overconsumption in 2009. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that stuff, you know, it's not just <laughs> shove this stuff down as much as you can. And I'm missing too. Well, there you go. Yeah. It can have complications. Yeah. So. What you just took us through there in terms of- I'm just going to have some coffee. Yeah, same. (laughs) Hang on. Um, We did brew some delicious coffee though. Tepid. But anyway, what you took us through just there- Fuck, we derailed so much. (laughs) Okay. This is great. Anyway, we have not had too much coffee. Let's just say that. And we are not on our way to the ER in an ambulance. <laughs> this is not recorded in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> okay, what happens? Tell me what's happening in, in my body hole. So, what's happening in your body hole that can come across very interesting. <laughs> um, what's going on here is that you're dehydrated first and foremost. It's probably the first thing that's happened. Like we said earlier, you're under-resourced. So, your body kind of goes into a bit of a... I'm just going to survive mode. Cool. And there's a lot of things happening physiologically there. That there is no need for us to go into all of those because it just complicates things too much. But what if you had throughout the day, you would have you would have had maybe two extra bottles of water. You would have made sure to take five minutes out to just breathe before you went through the crowd and start setting up your cameras and things. We should come back to breathing in a sec, but yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you wouldn't have that crazy sympathetic drive and being in a flustered mode and all these things, and you would have been able to communicate. You would have saved yourself and your band member 90 minutes. Uh, You would have avoided kicking a glass of wine in someone's face, and you would have felt a lot better about yourself. So, and that's just from dehydration alone, you know, and there is just so much you can get into just from dehydration. And we know that, what do they say about a 3 to 4% decrease in dehydration, which is nothing, you know, decreases your overall ability to perform with the tenfold. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's massive. So, and that's in athletic performance, but we can carry that over to any performance really. Mm. So... Yeah, that's dehydration in a nutshell, man. They say, yeah, we haven't even touched the idea of all the things that could go wrong. But breathing is something that you, you brought that up and that's something that we take for granted. 
What does it mean to breathe and what happens in your body with a single breath of air? Why is it so important for us to breathe? All right. So, first and foremost, this is one of those things that we don't have to think about. Remember what we said at the very start, some systems in the body we don't have to think about using. You know, imagine that having to think about every breath you take. That's a good song. <laughs> I was trying not to say it, but yeah, yeah. Great song. Great podcast to say that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pop culture references. We're yeah. on it. Yeah. And country. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he's just shitting himself over here <laughs> laughing. But so what happens when you breathe? So every time you breathe air in, it goes into your lungs and there's blood passing through your lungs and that's been sent from your heart. And in the lungs, that's where the oxygen goes into the blood and that's where the carbon dioxide goes out of the blood and we breathe that out through our nose and our mouth. When we exhale, so you breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. So when the oxygen enters your blood in the lungs, it goes back to your heart and then your heart pushes that out to the rest of your body. Then when all that oxygen has been used by your muscles and so on and so forth, it goes back to your heart, back into your lungs, and then the whole cycle repeats. So this is literally how you get oxygen and later on, you know, when you eat food and stuff, nutrients into the bloodstream and therefore it goes out so you can actually function. That's the nutshell of that. So if you're very sedentary, which means that you don't do fuck off <laughs> physical activity really, then you're going to have a decreased capacity to make this happen really well. If you look at people who are really good at running, personally, I suck at running. I, I like running, but I'm not very good at it. I'm sure you might be the same since you're laughing. <laughs> but, you know, if we're not really good at that, then we're not going to have a really good ability to get a lot of oxygen into the lungs and pushed out into the bloodstream and to our brain as well, which is really important to stay focused and clear. And then, you know, repeat that cycle all the time. So, for someone who's a musician who sits down a lot of the time, and we're not even talking, you know, being on stage for three hours, you know, but if you're just sitting down all day, every day, your body's capacity to get oxygen into the body, push carbon dioxide out, is going to go down. That's going to mean that you have less endurance to even just go for a walk or things like having sex or playing on stage or whatever it might be, it's going to have major health consequences long term. So if you're on stage, you have poor endurance, you're not going to be able to focus. You're going to be tired. You can't dedicate enough energy to what you have to focus on, which is not breathing. You have to focus on putting on a show, not hiding, and actually playing the instrument or singing. That's what you have to focus on, right? That's your performance element. So, what happens through breathing, well, that happens first and foremost. But then your body also has two branches of the central nervous system, which is the brain. It's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Two very easy ways of thinking of that. The sympathetic is the fight, flight, or freeze response. So, this is where your bodies go, fuck, I need to survive. Some shit is going down here. I'm either going to fight. I'm going to flee or I'm going to freeze. So we see this in a lot of animals, but we have the exact same responses. 
you know, if you've ever seen a predator hunt someone, then all of a sudden the prey freezes. Just freezes, can't move, physically can't move. That's kind of the response that happens if you get stage fright. You don't know what to do. You don't move. You just stand there. All of a sudden, you can't play. You can't sing. You don't even want to go out on stage in the first place, right? And then the opposite to that, the parasympathetic is the rest and digest. So that's literally right now. We're just kicking back on the couch, talking, relaxing. So, you know, when it comes to health and fitness and whether it's working with a triathlete or a BJJ fighter or bodybuilders or musicians or whatever it might be, you can think of those two branches as like an old school scale, you know, where you put food or an item on one side and so it goes up and down. If you put a lot of effort into one of those sides, that's where all the weight is going to be. So you better put a tiny bit on the other side as well so it equals out. You know, they can't be equal all the time, but the overall balance over a longer period of time has to be there. So you and I, we've had some interesting chats outside of this podcast on, you know, things like overall health and sleep and, you know, things like testosterone and those things where, you know, if someone is super active, you know, they're training two, three times a day, they're not eating enough food, they're drinking a hell of a lot of coffee, they're working as well, like in an office environment and they're really, really stressed out. That sympathetic drive, that fight, fight to freeze is constantly going to be there all the time. That has repercussions long term for your heart, for your muscles, different hormonal changes are going to happen. There's a lot that's going to go on there. So these guys, how well do you think they're going to perform? What's going to happen to their overall lifespan, overall health status? These are very obvious questions that people forget to ask themselves. And then, well, what do people do though? They go, oh shit, I need more energy drinks or I need more pre-workouts or I need more caffeine, fuck, I'm tired. But what you actually have to do is back the fuck off a bit, learn to relax, learn to breathe. That's how we got into this. Breathing control, controls these two branches. If you're feeling really stressed out before you're going on stage, before you start your warm-up or whatever it might be, you can do some breathing drills to lower that arousal level. If you're looking at performance, no matter what it is, if it's just a conference, like you're speaking at work, at a work conference, you're holding a presentation and you feel nervous, first and foremost, it's normal you know, to feel a bit of you know, nerves. But if you're overly nervous and anxious, you can take control of your breath, which is a really beautiful thing. You don't have to think about it, but if you want to, you can alter your physiological state by breathing, which is really cool. So That's huge, by the way, just just to it, interrupt quickly. Yeah. That can't be understated just just what that means. It, yeah. We do take that stuff for granted, like just take a breath. Yeah. No, enjoy what that breath is. Yeah, and there are so many different ways of doing that. Just, you know, like kundalini breathing from yoga. And What's that? It's a different way of breathing where you breathe in through one nostril oh, and true, so on yeah. and so forth. Like it's called box breathing and there's a lot of different ways of breathing. I've got a mate who does fuck off breathing. Yeah. He, breathe, he breathes in deeply and then breathes out and says fuck off. Yeah, I like that. 
Fuck off. <laughs> just for a bit of a change of pace from, from like the holistic breathing. Just like, yeah. well, just breathe from fuck off. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you can control that aspect of your physiology and decrease your stress levels, which means that you're going to have, you know, just before stage, going out on stage, you're going to have a more optimal arousal level. You know, if if you've ever tried, you know, someone out there, personally speaking, if I was to perform at an event, say I had a fight like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or I was going to, I used to do powerlifting and if I go out to do a really heavy lift and I've got too much caffeine, I've, I listen to heavy metal, you know, got some guys slapping my back and you're going, going crazy, you're not going to get the lift. Yeah. It's too much. But what if I listen to some... Drop your favorite country artist. Yeah, some country music or some classical music or just focus. It's a know? coping mechanism. Yeah, almost. Like it's it's a state dictator, I suppose. You know, it's a state controller. You're controlling the state of your body more so than anything else where if I can do that, I know I'm going to get the lift. If I can go into a fight relaxed, still focused, mentally sharp, but my body is relaxed, I'll be fine. So if you could go out on stage mentally sharp, really focused, but your body's just nice and loose, you're know, not too tense, you can move your wrists and your elbows and your shoulders, your neck is fine, it's not tense, you'll be good. You'll have the fucking performance of your life. And I work with special forces soldiers, we work on the exact same thing. Like These guys are masters at this shit. You know, how do these guys stay calm under pressure? It's just mental skills. You're learning how to control your state of mind. Sounds esoterical and all that shit, but it's fucking true. It's really, really important. And that's what we said at the very start. Your brain controls pretty much everything you do, even obesity. But let's not... That's... that's Oh, man. Okay. You know, close that box. Close the box. Close the box. Close, close the box. Chamber of secrets. Holy shit. So... Before we move into the sort of visual component of the podcast, because mm. I, I, I'm certain we could probably turn this into a fucking eight-hour episode oh. very easily. Just coffee, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, we can do that in between. So, one thing, I, I don't, I, I've got so many things to bring up, but on the fight, flight, or freeze, freeze is long gone when you are at the point where you're touring, I think, mm-hmm. I think. But it's very important cool. to acknowledge it when you start. And for anyone out there mm. who's yep. building their resources to play their first shows, that is on the table again. Mm. That is a that is a big one. So if it does take a couple of breaths with your mates, as esoteric and and fake as you think it might be, because if for some reason you convince yourself that you're better than your physiology, just shut up and just do it. Yeah. Like breed some fuck off together. And fuck off. I like that. That's great. Yeah, that's a Sean Thompson special. Is in the first Sean episode. Thompson. Thanks, Sean. And um, he, <laughs> when you stop freezing, fight or flight is interesting. What I spoke about before, hiding. Mm. It's good to have long hair because you hide behind it. You cut off the audience from your mm. visual field. Your visual field's negated. What have you got left to think about? Your ears, your balance, because that's important as well. We'll get mm. into that. The fight is cool. Our drummer Josh, he is all fight. If he if he's about to capture himself doing something stupid or he's he's just done something stupid, mm. the volume just elevates slightly because he's fighting there. Mm. He he never has that flight response. I have the flight response, 
it's good to be able to acknowledge what your flags are internally. If you if mm. you catch yourself doing some things that you're not proud of or something you wouldn't want to see on stage, the same way that when you observe your technique in the gym and you go, I'm not really proud of that shape. That's not a good shape. You take it back and you go, why is that shape how it is? Everyone should do that. <laughs> Seriously, what you just said. It's, it's self-awareness. Right? It's the ability to be aware enough of what you're trying to do and improve that over time. And it takes a long time to get there. A long time. Using a reference that you and I both know, it would be, you know, lifting in the gym without a mirror. You know, being able to do a really technical lift without a mirror and feeling what might be off, what you have to correct, or just feeling on point, that's takes that takes a lot of practice. The analogy here is is actually pretty interesting for anyone out there as well who is unaware of how how powerful this can be. Because I've been working behind the camera doing so many music videos for bands, mm. I, I have the opportunity, and, and you'll see the footage that I get to play with every day, to really hone in on what someone's doing with their body over and over mm. and over. And you've done that in uni as well, right? Yeah, exactly right. So, when, when it comes down to choosing between watching a dumb video on YouTube after the show or trying to just track down some footage of you guys playing, it is you're not an egotistical dickhead to do this. Look at your playing and go, am I proud to do this? My, mm. my buddy Rob Brenz from Hatel Moore, he's a death metal drummer and he's also a freaking genius drummer. He can do both. Mm. Saying they're exclusive from each other, maybe I am. I don't know what I'm trying to say <laughs> here. But he would, after the show, obsessively check his his drum solo because it was, it was his indicator of how well he was flowing, mm. which I'm sure is huge to you, especially if you've done fighting. That flow state negates the opportunity to fight, fight or freeze. Yeah, and and... You know, flow state is where everything seems effortless. That's what a show should be. Exactly right. If you're clenched up, it's not effortless. And when you're in a flow state, first and foremost, you're in your element. You just know everything. Mm. And even if small little changes or challenges come up, you just work with them on the spot. You don't even think about it. And, you know, I could... I don't know if this would happen, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's say that you're playing on stage, you're playing guitar, and if you're like me, you would trip, you know, or you would start stumbling or something like that, but you just go with it. It doesn't affect your performance. Turn to a sexy dance. Exactly right. A sexy Full. Latin dance <laughs> during a heavy metal <laughs> concert, you know. So there's so many elements to what we've just been talking about that can be offset as well if we take a step back by it's not having enough water in your body feeling under resourced and not getting enough vegetables and fruits and all the good stuff that you know vitamins and minerals and those things and hey if we get really specific into nutrition on you know show days it's really important to have the right food to get enough energy for your body to perform really well and you want to touch on that stuff? I really do. I was going to be like, let's save it. No. What do you got? All right, cool. Let's do it. So, to take a step back, earlier we said lots of things equal nutrition. Cool? In order to understand what those lots of things are, we have to understand a 
couple of components of our bodies, and they're called energy systems. And this is how your body literally produces energy. So for you guys on stage, it would be honestly two primary ways of creating energy. And that's what we call the oxidation of carbohydrates and oxidation of fats. Cool? So when you're on stage, you're often going for hours on end, right? So you're going to get a lot out of watching these videos because yeah. it's an interesting combination of these. Yeah, it, it really is. So, there's during those hours of performance, let's say two hours, we're just going to set up. Let's go one. One. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, one. One to two hours <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, there's intermittent bursts of more aggressive you know, behavior as well. Yeah. Not fighting, but, you know, mm. aggressive behavior with instruments and headbanging and stomping and those things. Mm. So, that alone has another energy requirement than playing, let's say, maybe a song that lasts for eight minutes, you know, if that ever happens, you know? Oh, yes. There's a- There's, there's, some, a, there's someone laughing right now just being yeah. like, end some. And, and 14 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's very, very different energy requirements. So, if we look at that, we actually have to optimize your body's ability to utilize both carbohydrates and fats as a fuel source. Cool. This is fucking important stuff because if you don't fuel your body the right way with the right types of fats in your diet and the right types of carbohydrates in your diet, then you're going to struggle. And this goes hand in hand with what we said about having enough energy as well in your body to be healthy, but also to perform really well. So, you know, in short, getting enough carbohydrates like potatoes, rice, fruits, vegetables, and so on, and healthy fats like avocados, olive oil, maybe some nuts and seeds and those things are going to be critical for someone to optimize their performance. Just indirectly, what you just mentioned if you are about to go on tour and you have to submit your rider, so what is backstage? Can you say those things again? Because people need to have these foods backstage. Yeah. So, what were they again? So, if you can, this probably won't be backstage, but if we'll go specifically backstage, fruits and vegetables, that's key. Have the fruit and the vegetables cut up. Not, not a whole apple. Have that shit cut up for you because you're more likely to go and eat more of it. Have a wide variety of fruits. Anything from pawpaw to banana and apples and oranges, anything you can get a hand a hand on really, to be honest. Vegetables as well. Easily snackable vegetables. Don't eat fucking kale. Just like no no no. That tastes like shit. <laughs> and if someone walks in on you doing that, they're gonna be like, We're we're cancelling the show, this is wrong. Out. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, things like cucumbers, carrots. And those things where you can just cut it up and eat it. Celery, if you like celery. I just, yeah, I don't mean it. But someone, someone out there is just like, potato chips. <laughs> that is not a vegetable. <laughs> it's got potato. There's someone doing it right now. Yeah, and now guaranteed. they're just like, oh, shit. That doesn't count, right? <laughs> and then nuts and seeds of all kinds. And try not to get them roasted with, you know, salt and those things. Just have them as is. Unsalted, unroasted, if possible. And then in things like olive oil. So many health benefits to this super simple, healthy food source that you can get anywhere you are, even if you're out on tour, you know. So, 
those are things that I would have backstage with low calorie, you know, artificially sweetened soft drinks. People going, oh, artificially sweetened. Well, you can actually have some of it mm. without that causing any repercussions. Just chill the fuck out. Just fucking chill. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like Pepsi Max, Coke Zero, Sprite Zero, those things. So, satiate your sweetness through just, just something more intermediate, like a liquid, as opposed to just Yeah, exactly lollies. right. At the very fucking least, like yeah, 10% and, different. And it doesn't have all the added sugars to it, and it doesn't come with a bucket load of calories. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of killing a couple of birds with one stone. Have lots of water there, sparkling water, you know, with a bit of lime or something like that. In, in, in Europe, sparkling water is sort of the default for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why you guys did that. I'm, you're accountable for the entire- Yeah, that's me. That's on me. Yeah. 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 Fucking Italians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Italia. <laughs> um, My one Italian listener is just like, I'm going to stab this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and his uh, name is uh, Martino and that's a fact. Martino, <laughs> come and stab me. Hi, Martino, I like your band. Um, don't stab me, please. <laughs> I might have to choke you if you do. Um, but honestly, those simple choices, it's going to make a world of difference. World of difference. Can you have a couple of beers and stuff? Of course. But don't make that your choice of food and beverages. <laughs> mm. uh, and potato chips and stuff is not going to do anything for you. You're not, a, you're not an elite athlete. I'm not saying that you're not a great performer or artist. I'm saying that you're not an elite athlete who's training six hours a day, who needs pretty much anything they can get their hands on, but they also need a healthy base of food options to survive their training you know, loads, which is a very, very different world. But at the same time, we share 98% of our physiology is the exact same. We're human beings. You know, we have a heart, a brain, well, some people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a loaded statement. We have a, uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe Sometime, not. That was yeah. a joke. A good one. Uh, you know, we have a stomach and all those things. And our physiology works pretty much the exact same way. So, if you eat fruits and vegetables and you get healthier, it's very likely that everyone else who eats fruits and vegetables are going to be healthier as well. Mm. You know, very simple stuff. Like, it's not fucking rocket science. And people know this. People right now are saying, well, I know that. Mm. Well, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly that's exactly where I've felt this scene and and this particular community really changing gears a little bit mm. because I, especially around prog, the scene that I find myself a little more involved in, there there is a fair bit of douchebaggery. There's a hierarchy to the intelligence. Like the, the smartest guy tends to have the most to say. That's also changing in the fact of they're all, they tend to be very open to changing their mind about stuff, which is quite nice. Mm. And I definitely can see that some of the most high achieving musicians in this particular genre, not exclusive to, are built to perform and entertain through that, not the other way around. They're not building themselves to entertain, like be a, a loose unit who's drunk one, when they get on stage and hope their performance is good. It's the other way around. Mm. And it's so cool to be able to say, what if I just entertained by performing with higher quality? And as you're saying, not elite athletes because we don't break any records like that. There are no records to be broken. The metric for a good performance is a little bit more ambiguous. Exactly right. And that's kind of fun to acknowledge because if there was a world record for the best gig, that'd be fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. There are dumb. athletic musicians. That's something totally different. Those people who have uh, 
uh, Dan Presland, one of my earlier guests, he's a drummer, will be looking at some of his footage in the second part of this. He has a world record that he set ages ago for the most amount of single-stroke rolls. Yeah. Basically, the fastest vibrating man on drums. Oh, no, his, his feet. Sorry, his feet. Yeah. Fastest feet in the world. He'd be good That's, at tapping to country, that. Dude. He would be very good at... Actually, I... would be a bit too slow for him, eh? Really fast country. <laughs> at Dan Presland. Time for you to up your game. <laughs> so, let's move on to part two of this. Cool. Let's we'll take, do it. take a bit of a breather for anyone out there who doesn't give a fuck anymore. That's a shame because it's about to get very visual. So, there will be a YouTube component to this. Nice. But we'll include the audio of it in this podcast. Sounds good. Pee break. Pee break. Coffee break. <laughs> so, thanks for sticking with the podcast thus far if you're a frequent. And if you're interested in this sort of content, please let me know who you'd like to see us pull apart or if there's anything that we didn't quite address. Or, I mean, if there's just anything you're curious about and we'll try to unpack it. This was really fun. I've really wanted to do this for ages. So, enjoy. This is Ken. He, this is what he looks like, in case yeah. you were wondering. Pink and red. Yeah. yeah. Red hair. Yeah. Lots more of it. Ginger's so- unite. <laughs> So what, what we're doing with this with this video that I think will be groundbreaking, pioneering, pioneering, a new frontier of fitness is teasing out what some of my previous guests might be doing to hurt themselves. And the great thing about Ken is that you probably know how to spot that before anyone else. Yes, yeah, so we'll look at it from more of a biomechanical point of view. So this is not a diagnosis of any injuries or anything like that. We're simply looking at these guys' backgrounds. We have a bit of information on them. And we know what happens during, you know, headbanging to the neck and those things. And then we'll go, well, this is what's likely to happen. You guys will see the footage as well. And then we'll point that out and we'll give you a couple of solutions as to, you know, how to prevent, I suppose, most of these overuse injuries uh, moving forward. If you've listened to the last podcast with Mick, you'll hear his story about how he's hurt himself on stage. So to give you a bit of an insight on that, Mick was telling me about his pre-show rituals. Um, his pre-show rituals are... Push-ups, yep, and bicep curls. Interesting. Yeah, uh, let's take a let's take a look uh, for a sec here at. Uh, so this is a version's crown. Yep. Uh, this guy has very stretched ears. Let's go to some footage of Mick. Here we go. So first of all, Exhibit A: these guns. Guns. The guy. The guy's worked out. He's he's worked really hard for his body. He's got a background in sport. Yep. But he's also liable to a back injury. So. Does he have a back injury? He's injured it on stage. He sort of had a spasm on stage. Okay, cool. Now, that, I feel like that's a word that I throw around without any knowledge of what spasm means. So, a, an injury that happens acutely in the mm-hmm. moment, say in the lower back, what is that? What is really going on there? There could just be so much. Yeah. So, you know, we can't delve into specifics around it. I think that's a bit too complicated. But if you look at something like a spasm, it's often a protective mechanism. So pain in itself is a protective mechanism. So to everyone out there, if you're sitting down or if you're standing up, you're doing things and all of a sudden you're feeling pain, it doesn't mean that anything is injured. Cool? It doesn't mean that you have an injury. It means that you're feeling pain. Your body's sensing pain. Something is going on. I'm going to stop you from doing that because it's not safe. Cool? That That's really pain in an on its own as a concept and there's a hell of a lot of things to pain now the biggest thing with someone like was Mick Mitch Mick 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 yep. where you know through sports and those things he might have acquired different injuries in the past 
I myself, I've had that as well, a couple of back injuries and things like that, where that's the biggest predisposing factor for you getting another injury. Cool. So if you've had an injury in the past, you're at a greater likelihood of getting injured again. It's that simple. Now with these things, we got to look at someone like Mick. He's pretty fit. He's healthy. He's got a background in sports. So then we got a question. Well, what's actually going on here? And why is he sensing pain and spasms and those things? Is it likely that he's been injured from playing guitar like that? Probably not. You know, not acutely. You know, he might have been sensing that pain acutely, but what's happened in the lead up to that? You know, has he been not sleeping enough? What's his nutrition and hydration like? Because we know that when these things aren't in place, like we said before, your likelihood of sensing pain and discomfort goes up because your body's more sensitive. It's going to protect you because you're not in an optimal state. That's a very easy way of looking at it, right? But that's that's exactly what we, we need to acknowledge is that Look, you're probably not in the peak condition to be throwing your body around. Exactly. You know, if, if you're a if you're a wrestler going into your uh, into your fight, or if you're a fighter going into your fight, rather, you've prepared. So you, presumably, you've warmed up your joints yeah, and exactly warmed up your right. elbows. I dare say, I've never done that before a show prior to being interested in fitness. Yeah, and you know, looking here as well, we said his pre-show ritual is biceps curls and push-ups. Mm. Well, why does he want to do that? Probably to show off his guns and his pecs. You've got you got to. Look at this. You know, he's got specimen. A, amazing guns. Yeah. But, you know, why is he doing that? He probably doesn't have a real reason for why. It's more that, yeah, just that feeling of I need to get everything circulating. I need, I need to do something. Yeah. But if we look at the, you know, position a lot of people spend a lot of time in. They're like us right now. They're sitting down. Mm. Some people just don't really care. They're also hunched over. Yeah. And they don't really move that much. So what's happening to the muscles, the joints, the ligaments and the tendons, the tissues, is that their capacity to get injured is going to go up. Why? Because they're weaker. They don't have the capacity to resist a lot of force. Cool? So they're weak in the sense of they're past their normal capacity at length of time. Exactly right. So if this here is 100%, this is how much work your muscles can currently do. And then you, sl- you don't sleep well and you dehydrate and everything's going to go down. It's going to be less and less. And the more sedentary you are, the less physical activity you do, the lower and lower that's going to be. So let's say that we have 100% here. Well, that 100% might be this low when you're not well trained in those things. And all of a sudden, boom, you're going to get an injury. Why? Because you've constantly been nagging around that 100% bracket all the time, that line. You're almost exceeding it all the time. Not because you're doing so much crazy stuff. You're not pulling a 300-kilo deadlift every day, you know, but your body doesn't have the capacity to resist what you're currently doing. And this is where if you do a bit of mobility work, you get stronger, you sleep better, all of a sudden that's going to rise. And all of a sudden there's more space between your ability to get injured and what you're currently doing. And it's going to go up and up and up. And all of a sudden, you can do more and more and more without getting injured. That's mm. the easiest way of looking at it. So that's great. So what, what would happen with Mick is that as someone who functions here and his body expects him to be here, I'm going to shorten my yeah. situation here. Yeah, T-Rex That's arms. my mobility. That's good. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if he's like, if he's working out at home, he's looking after himself and his body expects this and then he's on tour and he's suddenly here, but 
his body is expecting this. Yep. Even if he does that because he's not working out, but he's playing a show, which we'll look at his technique in a second, you're just saying that this here is just puts you straight away at a disadvantage. Big time. Yeah. And that goes acutely and chronically speaking. And that's the overall health status like we've said before. Mm. So, so let's, look, let's look at some technique. Cool. So I'm just going to scroll to some footage of uh, Nick playing some stuff. Uh, we'll try to find something where he's moving quite a lot. Uh, these guys play some really aggressive music. So there are definitely moments of... I could probably put this as power movements. Yep. In, in, in a fitness sense, it actually sounds sort of hilarious because there is a genre of metal called power metal, which is about dragons yeah. and stuff. And you can only you know, play it wearing kilts. <laughs> what I'm seeing and what I wanted to run by you is this idea of one leg out to the side. Yep. So we've got, we can call this the dominant leg, right? That's the one that's probably got yep. all the weight on it. What muscles can you see that are stuck isometrically, which means basically just stuck in a position while yeah, so loaded? His legs aren't really doing that much work. He needs to be in a position where he's nice and balanced, and he needs to be able to find a position where he can almost rest the guitar mm. and the weight towards that side where he's, where he's playing the chords and stuff so that he can actually be moving at the same time. Cool. So get more of his body moving in that one movement. Exactly right. More is less. Exactly right. Less is more. <laughs> but try to headbang standing still with the rest of your body. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Hammer gone. Yeah, really <laughs> fucking good. You're going to have to get momentum into your headbang. Yeah. So you have to be in a really nice and stable position with your legs. If we call this uh, position start position. Yep, start position. Middle so end. Yeah, so you're kind of in a bit of a split position really so one cool. leg is out one leg is back cool on the front leg there's always going to be more quads involved than anything else cool. quads are the muscles in the front of your thigh on your back leg it's going to be a lot of your glutes firing to be able to hold your hip in that position now what we're actually noticing and you see it in some of the other guys as well when you're head banging you're actually thrusting your hips and your torso forward quite a lot and then literally you finish with your head right that's the movement that's occurring. It's not just fucking head up and down all the time. So what we're looking there from a movement point of view is a hinge movement. It's a deadlift movement, which means that you're moving your hips and your torso at the same time. In a headbang, we're just finishing off with the neck. In, yeah, we can really see this here. So the hinge has happened, yep. head follows through. And then back again. And then back again. And there's just a little bit of a jolt in between. If you made... A headbang like that look like a deadlift, it would look really boring because it's too <laughs> it's too stiff, right? Mm. So you need a bit of loosey goosey kind of effort, and you got long hair as well, so it mm. sort of adds to the element, of, I suppose, uh, waves or whatever you want to call it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to hear your perspective on this because it's such a foreign thing yeah. to the rest of the world. Who's like, why are you doing that? If you look at it that way, that's a very easy thing to prevent injuries from. Very, very easy thing. So, if someone is experiencing a lot of neck issues because of head banging, and like vocalists as well, they also use a lot of their muscles in their neck to sing, mm. so to protrude their voice. So, they're also going to experience more fatigue through the neck. So, if they're head banging as well, that's going to be even worse, just from a fatigue management point of view. So, all you've got to do when it comes to any muscle, whether it's fucking your lungs or your muscles, you've got to make them stronger. Mm. It's that simple. Does it mean that they have to deadlift 300 kilo? No. But their quads and their glutes and their back muscles, 
they have to be strong enough to not fatigue over the course of that hour or that performance or however long that is, right? So we can tailor all that stuff to it, but bringing it back to the basics. Cool, now we've broken down a movement. Mm. Cool, that movement from the fitness point of view, let's say that we would coach Nick, or we would do some deadlift variations, some hinge variations that would target those specific muscles, and we would actually do a lot of neck endurance work, just laying on your back, learning how to lift your neck off the floor, and rotate, as an example. That stuff is really, really hard for your neck. We don't want to load your neck up a lot, but we want to improve the endurance of it. It's very, very simple. If you play guitar or drums, you always, you're always you in a flex position somehow with your arms, right? So you either flex forward. Cool, we've got to reverse that. We've got to get you upright. So you can still play here, but I don't want you to spend every single hour and minute of the day in this position. We've got to reverse that. So if we make you stronger this way, you can stay in this position for longer. Cool? We don't want to change the way you play because that's how you've optimized your instrument, right? But if we go, cool, I'm going to make you stronger here, you can stay in this position for longer without pain. See, this is groundbreaking. <laughs> no one ever talks about this stuff. Yeah. There's not like the guitar lessons followed by head-banging injury prevention yeah. courses. That, that never happens. Can, can we patent that? <laughs> yeah. Everyone, this is trademarked, right? Trademarked. <laughs> But then you look at his arms as well. Mick is a perfect example. He's got big guns. He wants to put on a show and show these off. Yeah. Suns out, guns out, right? So he does biceps. <laughs> he does biceps curls. So he does this before the show to pump up his arms. Well, from an elbow point of view and wrist point of view, drummers as well, listen up. Is that a good thing to do? Probably not because he's going to spend the next hour or so in that position using a lot of your biceps muscles. So if all you do is this, well, you're going to put more load on that joint and that muscle instead of possibly doing it the other way. So you work on your triceps muscles and those things in order to reverse the load. So if I keep putting a hell of a lot of load in this same position over time before I play, or if I'm a drummer, all of a sudden that elbow, that forearm, that wrist is going to experience a hell of a lot more pressure than what it has to. One performance? Yeah, probably not going to make a big difference. 10 years down the track, I guarantee you it's going to make a big difference. Let's move on to number two, which is Dan Presland. Dan. So, Dan. Uh, Dan is a ginger. Well, there you go. Well, in his drumming style, he's very efficient. Mm-hmm. One thing that I remember filming Dan and asking him about this was when he, whenever he plays anything really fast, mm-hmm. he does this. Yep. And we're not saying that we should change that in his playing, oh. but we should probably consider that that could be a really nasty jolt to happen after 10 years of a career. He's quite young still. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll, possibly. Be, he'll be thrilled to hear that. So we'll um, go to some hectic parts of the song. So we can even see a close-up of his feet, which are yep. ridiculous. It's very fast. Very fast. Yeah, there aren't many people faster than Dan. Yeah. So let's have a look at this nice side angle here. So once again, Dan the Gun Show Presland. <laughs> the Ginger Gun Show. The Ginger Gun Show. But what we're looking at here is, you know, sort of similar to Mick. So there's a lot of arm, arm movement first and foremost. But as a drummer, you have an additional load at the end of your hand, which is your drumstick. That's where the force has to go through. And if we watch that in the wrist movement here, exactly there is right. just a so, final follow-on. So it's, it's kind of like a punch without being a punch. Mm. So me- mechanically speaking, cool? Yep. You, <laughs> don't, don't punch like that. But if you punch... 
if you're a boxer, whatever it is, the force is generated through your hip and then up through the shoulder mm-hmm. and then impact. So, and so because the hip is negated here, what does that mean? Well, that means that your shoulder is going to take more of the load. But that's the nature of drumming. That's the nature of the beast. So additionally here in drumming, there's a lot of shoulder complications. If Dan wants to get better at drumming, and I'm not saying better technically. Mm, shot but, fired. But being able to drum for longer with more force, more power, more fine tuning and precision, then we've got to look at making sure that his shoulders aren't fatiguing, that his wrists can handle this. Because if all of a sudden he's doing something really forceful that we just looked at earlier, all of a sudden more and more force is going through that wrist. The wrist is a very, very tiny joint, very tiny. And all the muscles in your forearm that control the fingers, they cross the wrist. So the tendon goes straight across here. That can cause a lot of inflammation. You'll probably experience that just even on, especially your left hand, mm. where there's a lot of tenderness sometimes. That's simply due to the overuse of those muscles over time. They're fatigued. They can't you know, resist the force. So what do we have to do? You know, For someone like a drummer, there could be a lot of grip exercises. Literally just making them stronger so you can grip your drumsticks for longer. Making sure that that's in a position where your shoulders aren't fatiguing. So what's going on with his shoulders here? Because what I'm picking up on is as he goes to hit, yeah. can you see that slight elevation? Yeah, but that's normal. That's normal? Okay. Try try now. Yep. Do this. Drums. Doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know how to play drums, but that's an automatic lift. In fact, we would probably improve the strength of his traps to be able to do that movement more efficiently mm-hmm. and then deliver that force out. What's common to think is that, oh, he's here, so we have to bring him down here. But what happens if you compress down here all the time, you're actually going to put a lot of force through here. Because it's constantly stretched. It's constantly lengthened and stretched. So we probably want to improve his strength up here more than anything else so that he can Mm. actually lift with less force and deliver that. Cool. And especially because of coordination involved in this means it has to be quite passive. Exactly. He he should never concentrate on this. So, you know, it could be seated shrug variations, uh, different biceps curl variations, a lot of just endurance work, just general strength and mobility in his upper back is going to be very beneficial. Getting him out of a seated position is important. Perfect. Because he practices hours a day, I would assume. A quick quick anecdote about, yeah. about Dan, which you'll love this. As far as disciplined people goes, I stayed at his house before shooting some yeah. drum videos and... Got up at six, it was freezing cold in Melbourne. I'm sitting up against the sunny glass door, just drinking my coffee sadly, and Dan just sort of just sprightly pops up and goes outside and he sits underneath his awning in the sun. But he's just left a little slit yeah. so he can sit in the sun in the mornings and he puts his coffee on his practice pad. Hey man, how's it going? And he's just he's already on it. He's already warming up. And that's amazing. He would take this to heart. I know he's gonna watch this and he's gonna be like, What do you got for me? So what we've got for you is get out of that position. Literally spend time strengthening your hip muscles, your lower back muscles, cardiovascularly, endurance activities are really important. Mm. You don't necessarily have to run and things like that, Mm. Uh, but swimming, walking. Very cool. Getting out of that position so that long term we're simply just going, cool, we're not going to spend all day every day in this position, but we're not going to take away time from your practice because that's your craft. Yep. Right? But we've got to make sure that we make you stronger, more durable in that position, so that you can do this stuff even more effortlessly from just a strength and an endurance point of view, not from skill point of view. This is uh, Ryan Van Puderoyen, 
He is Canadian. Yep. As fuck, as you can tell by his, his Dutchish name. So he's the drummer for Devin Townsend, who is probably one of the more established artists uh, of the prog scene. Yep. He is fantastically passionate about everything that he does. He's another sort of Dan Preslin type. Mm. So I wanted to bring up this footage from Be Prog, My Friend, in Barcelona. Yep. Because I'm standing up the back here. Nice. Having a great time. Ryan is a pro, but he's had back injuries and he's healed himself. He's a little bit older than Dan. I couldn't tell you just how old he is because he's an ageless bald man. Yeah. It's a very slightly different technique to mm. Dan. Even just from the get-go, you can see how wide he is with his yeah, arms. He's more upright. Totally. And he's a rock drummer, whereas Dan is a technical metal drummer. Yeah. So there's he's quite precise, mm. whereas Ryan's trying to put on a show. Root and force and power. Yep, exactly. So all different styles of music, all different styles of playing will have different you know, elements to them. Which makes this a really cool thing. If you want to improve performance as a musician, you're going to have to be really individual. It's a team effort, but that team is built up of lots of different individuals, right? So, Ryan, as far as the way that he's got his elbow slightly more out, yep. what is a consideration as opposed to Dan who might have his elbow slightly more in? The consideration there would be, you know, what the tissues in the shoulder area are experiencing, whether out here compared to maybe up here. Camera Anyone out there wondering what's going on with the uh, angle change, battery died, and new camera? Arguably better one. So I got one more for you. I want to look at me and our singer, yep. Jim Gray. So Jim is super physical yep. on stage. I'm not so much because I've been hurt and I'm scared. Yeah, I think you'll be scared about my friend. So let's have a look at this little clip here. I've sort of removed the audio just in case there's any copyright issues with it. Yeah, it's very physical. <laughs> like yours is very similar to Mick earlier. You know, there is some movement, there's head banging, there's all the movements we went through earlier. But at the end of the day, I think guitar is probably more of the easier part of a band to work with in the sense that if you get stronger and more durable in the reverse position, you take care of your overall health and you make sure to, you know, just control the loads of different joints, such as your wrist and your shoulder and those things, um, it, it's an easy thing to prevent long-term. But then again, you can't prevent every injury, right? That's impossible. If you trip <laughs> and face plant, then you're going to injure your face. So unilateral is sort of should be a massive consideration. So just focusing yeah. on the left side of the right side and then swapping over. And getting strong overall, both arms, both legs at the same time, and then also incorporating you know, both sides singularly, is also important. You so, know, a, a complete training program should probably consider both of those anyway. Yeah. Jim goes home with a lot of problems. Yeah. He gets hurt pretty yep. bad. So we're seeing a big jump that's got absolutely no technique. No. <laughs> lands then, on one foot. Then he doesn't know how to land and then he stumbles and loses balance and then he catches himself. He's in a headbang. It looks awesome and it's easy to deconstruct like this. But, but that's a recipe for disaster, right? Yeah. So, what you see here is his landing mechanics and jumping mechanics, and they're shit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but they're not very good. Yeah. Um, and it is, is what it is. He hasn't learned how to jump or land, which means that, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to work on those mechanics. Well, how do we do that? Well, we take it a step back and we learn how to squat first because that's how you jump. 
and then you get good at controlling that on one leg. And then long term, when a person has the ability to create force and has control throughout that movement, cool, we can look at landing mechanics. But jumping and landing, that's very advanced stuff. It's not something you would incorporate and try practicing at home. These things are really, really advanced to do and they're really complex. And when you see beginners do like box jumps in the gym and stuff, stop that shit immediately. That shit is reserved for high level athletes only. So, you know, you can do it in a performance, but how can we prevent those injuries from happening? Because if he's landing on one leg and he's constantly going home with issues, it's likely that we've got to look at something. Everyone say thanks to Ken. Thank you. Fucking do it. Say thanks. Ken, where can we find you on Instagram? Uh, Instagram is just my full name, Ken Wally, mm-hmm. and also the Muscle Alchemist. If you think this might interest one of your mates, or if you want to share this with anyone in your band, do it, because I really want to share this information with everyone. It's important stuff. You guys did it. Well done, everyone. We all did it. I did the thing. You did the thing. We all did the thing. If you want to find out more stuff about the things, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with that feel free to hit up the Major Lift podcast on Instagram or you can hit me up personally at Adrian Golby, the Major Lift on Instagram as well. Also at Kenneth Wally on Instagram and at the Muscle Alchemist. Please throw us your social currencies or else we will no longer survive in this world. All right, I'm late. I've got to go. Bye, 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 bye.